Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Well, I hope you're doing better than that by the time the service is over. That was subpar. Like, you know, in the meter when you go to a Cowboys game, they'll have everybody yell, stand up and shout. And then in the meter, the decibel meter goes up. Y'all were like, here. Like, by the end of the service, here's what we're going for. You good? All right. Raise those decibels. All right. You can stand up and shout, too. That'd be fine. That would be great. Uh, today is, uh, uh, I have an announcement, today is uh, our Next Steps class, and so usually we do it on the third Sunday of every month, but because of Father's Day, we're going to do it today, immediately following this service. So what that means is, it is, a, is our Next Steps are on-ramping into uh, knowing more about Thrive, but then into knowing where do I serve, where do, where do I commit into the kingdom of God, and, and how do I glorify God, and, and what is Thrive even about, and where do they come from, and then... The beauty of this is you get to discover some gifts that God already has on your life and your personality and how God has uniquely made you. That's very important because we need to become more self-aware of who we are, the kind of the ups and the downs of our personality types. And then also, well, how does that, how does God made me to mold into the body of Christ so that I can be a part of what God is doing? So there's a lot that God begins to unearth in you through this next steps class and so lunch is provided you can stay after class or after this is going to be like a class stay after church and then we'll start just uh, not long after and so uh, I want to invite you at some point come through next steps please 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 it's the best the best thing that you'll ever have in the sense of knowing who you are and starting that discovery we have to know all right and so we are in our series we started last week it's a four-part series Last week, we started on the, the contents, uh, context of prayer. We talked a little bit about prayer. Uh, I learned that you guys really had a lot of revelation coming from that, and I, I was glad because I kind of went into the message thinking, man, are they going to get anything from this? Is this really going to challenge them? And what, what, I, what I discovered from the feedback from you was, well, you really gave me some aspects of prayer I had forgotten about. It wasn't that you didn't know these things. You'd forgotten to put these into practice as a discipline routinely, daily, as you go to the Lord and spend time with Him. So great, we unearthed some of that stuff. We're going to build off of it. We're going to build off of that. Uh, what, what we talked about was a couple of the, the points was prayer actually relinquishes control to God and relies on Him. Like, I'm not in control of the situation, God. I'm going to relinquish it. I'm going to bring it to your feet, and I'm going to rely on you to turn out the outcome according to your will. Well, that's pretty good. That means I've got to let go. I can't, I can't go into prayer and then take it away with me, right? That's how we know we've prayed, because we've let go. We've relinquished control of the outcome, and we've, op we've put ourselves in a position, one quarter of the position, because it's a four-part series, one quarter of the position, to be able to hear from God and see what God is doing in our circumstances. We also said that, that prayer brings contentment. Well, that's good news, because we need to be content. We need to be able to learn to be a, how to be abased, how to, be abound, how to abound in all things. And so this week, we're talking about rejoice. The discipline, the spiritual practice of learning how to just rejoice. No matter what's going on, I'm, I'm, I'm intentionally choosing to rejoice. As I'm intentionally choosing to pray, I'm intentionally choosing to rejoice. And so in, we, we're pulling from Isaiah 61. We read 1 through 5 last week. 
That's the five ministries of Jesus that he's working through all of us in our lives. There are seasons that we go through, and Jesus is constantly working. By way of the Holy Spirit, he's regenerating us. He's transforming our hearts. We're conforming to the image of Christ. These are all scriptures. And these five ministries of Jesus are working out in and through us, and he's never done with us. And here's one of the things that we get to benefit from is this in Isaiah 61.3. And the reason he does that is to give them oil of joy. He wants us to just be full of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Like there's a, there's a heaviness. I just feel like there's a weightiness. I just feel like I'm, I'm bothered. I feel like there's always a trial. I feel like there's a circumstance I just can't give. I feel like, oh, I just don't feel like it. Like, I just don't, I don't know. But he's given us, if you're saved and in Christ, he's given you the garment of praise. Now, that, that means you, in your closet, you have a garment of praise. But you have to choose to go to your closet, move back everything else, and put that garment of praise on in the midst of the heaviness. And it's not enough that you just go to the closet and you pull out that garment of praise and put it on. That means you, got, you also have to know what to do with that garment of praise. Because sometimes some of us are walking around heavy, but we're saying, well, I've got the garment of praise, but you're not activating. You're not doing anything with that garment of praise. You've got to do some stuff to, so that he can lift off the spirit of heaviness because it's spiritual. There's some stuff you can will your way through, but there's other stuff that's there. It's just spiritual. And the only combination, the only way to get through, get through that is to find the silver lining in the situations of what you're going through so that God can develop you as you practice these disciplines, these principles, these four through your life, continuously, you're learning how to wear that garment of praise and you're at that oil of joy. You're just wet everywhere you go because it's just joy, 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 joy down in my heart. You sing that song in Sunday school? I got the joy, joy. Well, you're going to sing it today. <laughs> but choices lead and feelings follow. Well, I don't feel like it. Great then make a choice to, and then your feelings will get in line with your choices. Because choosing to let your feelings lead is also a choice to have a bad day. So I choose to go to prayer, and my feelings feel like, I don't know if you're going to take care of me, Jesus, and so I take it away, and my feelings are heavy. But when my choices lead, my feelings all of a sudden have to get in alignment. Do you know it's actually a truth that you just choose to smile? Like you choose to smile throughout your day, starting in the morning. Come on, Joey, Joey smile. See, as you start to smile, you just start to feel better. Because I chose to smile and my feelings got in alignment with my choices. This is a spiritual discipline that must be practiced in order for us to find the silver line. What really God is doing for us, through us, and for his people in the midst of a bad situation, a bad circumstance, a bad culture, a bad a time, whatever it is, God has a silver lining and I'm trying to highlight the lining. So Paul says this in 2 Corinthians, which he had every reason to give up, every reason to quit, every reason to walk away, every reason to just say, hey, I've tried. You guys are just, uh-uh, you ain't listening. I'm going to go do something else. I love making tents. He had every reason and probably right to just go back to religion and say, well, at least they'll do the practices I'm asking. And he says this, Sor I'm sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet 
making many rich, having nothing, and yet I've learned the art of possessing everything because it doesn't control me. My bad days have silver linings, and I'm watching how God works in the midst of a bad situation. Paul had the right to say that. Philippians 4, 4 and 5, we talked about this last week, says to rejoice in the Lord always, when all, always, in all my days, my bad ones, my sad ones, my happy ones, don't forget him in your happy ones. But he says, maybe you didn't hear me. I'll say it again, rejoice. Because once you read, once you've rejoiced, you got to re-up on it. And you got to re, and then you re, and then you re, and all of a sudden you've learned to rejoice because I'm reing up on the joy because it's getting spent. And so I have to choose to make another joyful stance. I got to choose joy so that I can become rejoiceful. And then my feelings just gentleness be known to all men. Because let me tell you, the Lord is at hand. That's how I know I've been praying and relinquishing control and relying on God. And that's how I know I've been rejoicing in the presence of God for who he is and what he does. Because all of a sudden, in the midst of my trial and my bad day, there's gentleness. Why is he walking through things like that? How is he doing that? How is she able to just navigate her problems in such a way where it's like she just has peace? I know what's going on in her family. I know what's going on in her job. I know what's going on in her marriage. But she has this sense of gentleness. That's when I know I'm practicing these spiritual disciplines. All of a sudden, gentleness, which is a fruit of the Spirit, by the way. And so, 238 verses. In 238 verses, you find this word rejoice. However, it's in, a ver- in several verses many times. And that doesn't even include the context of this word rejoice, which is all wrapping around us learning how to rejoice. So there's something in there that God wants to bring and bring a highlighter to and say, hey, you need to see this. Rejoice. And so in Romans 5, 1 through 5, in the Holman's Christian Standard Bible, says, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, and by the way, that's you if you're in Christ, you're righteous. Not because of your works, but because of his grace. You had faith. His grace came upon that. He made you righteous. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. In verse 2, we have also obtained access through him by faith. That's good. Into this grace, and by the way, in, in September, I'm going to show you a series for the next for six weeks of, about the manifold grace of God. There's so much about grace the church fails to understand and realize that his grace is sufficient. When, Paul, when he told Paul that, oh, his grace is sufficient. And so by, through faith, we have access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And verse 3 says this, and not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions, in our trials, in our shortcomings, in our pains, in our hurts, in our bad days, in our sad days, in our seasons that struggle, go backwards. I'm not done. (laughs) And I will sing that to you if you want, in our afflictions, because we know that affliction produces endurance when we rejoice. This is, a, this is a, dip, a discipline. 
So I'm going to go through some afflictions. I'm going to go through some trials. It's just life. That's the bad day. However, there's a plan that God already has in place to help show me and help me to find the silver lining so I can live the single silver lining playbook through every circumstance that I'm going through. And it's not about the situation. It's about what God is doing in me and how I respond to him in rejoicing through the affliction because I need some endurance. Other versions say perseverance. I need to persevere through the trial because in my perseverance of what's going on, God begins to prove my character because I'm staying steadfast. I'm making my soul get into alignment with his will, his word, and the spirit man inside of me is now able to lead my soul, which my soul is fleshly. It doesn't want to do the will of God. It doesn't want to show up to church. It doesn't want to rejoice. It doesn't want to do many things, but God is lining me up. He is proving my character, proving my character to look like him as I stay steadfast, rejoicing, and enduring through my trials. Hallelujah. Somebody's like, that's why I've been having many bad days. But you got it now. It keeps on, though. Rejoice in our affliction produces in verse 4. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces some people walking around hopeless. I don't know, despair. I don't know, agony is me. I don't know what is going to go on. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know if we're going to get through it. I don't know how this is going to, I don't know if God's even real. I don't know what's, I, we're not going to make it. Hopeless. Do you know how to get hope? Rejoice. Rejoice in that affliction that's causing hopelessness, which will begin to cause an endurance buildup in your life, which will cause you to have to let go of your soulish ways and your character and your nature and your attitudes and your behaviors to align with God so that he can prove your character, he can prove you forward, so that he can start, start to shape you towards a place where you can actually have some hope, because hope doesn't disappoint. In fact, that kind of hope sets up appointments, godly appointments, so that you can just walk in them because God knows that perseverance is on your life, your character, and how you're going to make decisions in that situation is going to reflect him and bring glory to the Father. You'll be fruitful because you're faithful. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Yes and amen. I remember this is the first time this on this verse, this passage, Romans 5, 3 through 5, it is like a, a heart passage. I was sitting in Austin in my apartment, and I was no friends. Like, I, I was coming out of a lost world. All of my kingdom had come crumbling at his feet. I gave my life to the Lord, trying to figure out how do I do this thing called the Christian walk. I remember sitting there in my living room on the floor, and I, I don't even know like modern worship songs, y'all. I, like I don't know I, at this point. I know nothing. And I'm reading the word of God and I get to this point, this verse, this passage, and I hear, I felt God's presence just fall in the room like, like, just like a fog. And I felt this revelation, this, this moment where just a peace that surpassed understanding just came upon me. And I read this part and I was getting this understanding. He said, to rejoice in my trials, my afflictions, because I was, trying, I, was, I was frustrated because I was looking at scenarios through my past lens. And my character wasn't so pretty, but I knew that's not the way of the Lord and the way I, I need to handle situations. And so I was in a tension. And so right there, I heard him. And I, it's like he just spoke 
to me in picture form. He says, Nathan, all the things that I've, been through, I've taken you through, all, all, all the things that, that you've done, I've been there with you. When this could have happened and he started highlighting moments, I was with you. Before you knew me, I knew you. Before, before you turned to me, I was with you. He says, I brought you through all of those things. So the very things that you're dealing with right now, you have every reason to rejoice in the midst of this trial. And when you realize it wasn't by your might, nor by your power, but by his spirit, that you've come to where you are, you will discover that you have every reason to rejoice in the midst of the trials that you're facing because it's that rejoicing that produces the endurance to get through spiritually the moments that you're going through and you have been going through and you haven't figured out why you have to keep going through this so that your character can be proven so that you can have hope in the midst of this situation knowing that he's going to work it out. And that just changed everything in my life. From that day, I learned to rejoice. So I'm going to talk to you about rejoicing and what rejoicing looks like, okay? I'm going to give you three, thing, three parts to this one piece of rejoice that as you apply these three, you're going to learn the art of rejoicing, this principle. But it needs to be combined with prayer in the next two weeks that we're talking about. So here, number one, to rejoice looks like joy. It just looks like having joy. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, it says this, Since we have such a huge crowd of men of faith watching us from the grandstands, let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back. There's some things that God starts to identify and says, to get there, you can't do this. To get there, you got to let go of this. To get there, you've got to hand me this and trust me in this area so that I can take you there in the perseverance race. And especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around your feet and trip us up. Anybody ever got your, stepped on your shoestring? That's what he's talking about. And you just tripped yourself. And not let us run with patience. Oh gosh, another fruit of the Spirit. Let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us because there's a race that God has set and he's moving you and aligning you with that and according to that race continually so that he can allow you to come into some things that look more like you and less like him so that you can be faced with them and overcome the trial through rejoicing so he can, he can provide, strengthen you with perseverance and prove your character. That's the race that he has set before you. But on the other side is the blessing and the path that he's purposed and called you to. And blessing is always protected by adversity. Uh, let me say that again. Blessings are always protected by adversity. So the very adversity you're facing is probably a highlight of the Lord saying, this is one that as you, as you rejoice in me, you persevere through this thing, and I prove your character because what got you here is not going to get you there. There's some blessings on the other side that you've been waiting for. I've been actually telling you about. I've shown you before. People have prophesied over you. There's some hope in that, but you are going to have to change some things about how you do life. Joy. He says, keeping your eyes on Jesus, though. Our leader and our instructor. Perfect peace is he who keeps his eyes on Jesus, the word said. 
He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be his after, afterwards. He faced the adversity to get to the blessing. We are the blessing. Hey, blessed people. Where are you at? And now he sits in a place of honor by the throne of God. God will honor those who honor him. It's a promise. So let me give you an acrostic on joy, give you some perspective. Like, how do I choose joy? How do I be joyful? Uh, Jesus is J for joy. Jesus. First, it's got to be Jesus. My life has to, my, my, my heart throb, my, my, my thoughts have to first be on what are you saying, Jesus? What are, what are you doing in this situation, Jesus? What about you, Jesus? Matthew 6, in the Amplified says, but seek Aim at, strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness. So my efforts should be looking like his righteousness, not the righteousness of my own. My efforts should be building his kingdom, extending his kingdom, furthering his kingdom, and not that of my own. My mind should be more set on what's beneficial for his kingdom, and then secondary, my own. Americans. His way of doing and being right. And then all these things taken together will be given you besides. He's saying all these things will be added to you. You seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all of a sudden he just starts to bless you with what he knows you need in that season. And it will bear fruit in your life so that he can bring around the things to you that are necessary for the spiritual journey that he set you on. I got a lot of good words. Let me just tell you, I'm feeling confident. <laughs> oh, it's others. Joy. Others. No, no, it's Jesus. I got Jesus on my mind, and now I need, I need to put others on. I need, I need to think about others. Acts 20, 35 says, In everything I did, this is Paul, I, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. I got to be thinking about others. J, Jesus. O, others. I got to have my mind on, on, on others. It's gotta, I've gotta, what I'm doing needs to benefit others, to bless others. And then finally, the beneficiary as well, always, is you. You. Yourself. First Peter 5, 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. See, we, we like to start with our lamentations, our worries, our burdens, and, oh, Lord, uh, my, my issues, my problem, my circumstances, this issue. Like, you worried about you first, but not Jesus. And so we go to the cross, we go to the Lord, and we're, we're, we're lamenting, and we're saying, your word says that you care for me to come to you, and, and so I'm, I'm taking all this stuff to you, but because Jesus and then others aren't first on our mind, we grab all that stuff and say, I don't know if you're going, because we're so concerned about ourselves. I don't know if you really care for me like that. And here we go, carrying away the very burdens that he says to bring to me because I care for you. I'll give you rest for those things. And let me just tell you this, the four things that life-giving joy does, it's inside out. One, one it, it's not external. It's not about your circumstances. It's not about your situations in life. It's not about how much money you have how good your relationship is right now with others. It, it's not about that. It's about, it's about the, what God is doing on the inside and how your relationship, how rich your relationship is with Jesus first. And then it's beyond your circumstances. And then it's with others. And then that's where you get your strength. And how many know, hey, a victim, uh, probably not the victim, more of the persecutor, 
You, you have, and I'm using these words because this is, what you, this is what you would use. I have to go serve. Another time where I need to, I have to go out and serve in the community. I have to serve other people. They want me to show up and volunteer my time. They, they, I have to, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to do it, but you do it anyway. You show up. All of a sudden, you put on that ministry face. And then you start loving on others because you see that they're actually having a bad day. And then the Holy Spirit shows up. He does a work in you and then through you. And you see with your own eyes that God is doing something in their life based on you showing up. Though you were grumbling, but you showed up. And the Lord showed up even more vastly. And then all of a sudden, because you're doing a work for him in them, he shows up and does a work for you. And then all of a sudden, you just got this joy. Man, I really enjoyed that. Yes, you did. But your flesh didn't, and your soul didn't like it at first. See, see you, you got to make a decision. Because you were feeling like this, but you chose to do this, and then your feelings came into alignment with your choices. Am I the only one that that happens to? Okay, just making sure. We're, it's a transparent place. So joy is found when we live to give and not to get. We live to give and not to get. In every space that I put myself first, or what's best for me, or self-preservation, or selfishness, that's where I'm going to have tension. That's where I'm going to find this trial, this affliction, because that's the very thing that God is trying to work out of me as a Christ follower. And in, in any part of you that it's in you, there will be tension around it when you get into the presence of God, because he is all about Jesus, he's all about others, and he's all, then, finally, he's, he's all about providing for you. Okay. Amen. Second is this, to rejoice looks like Thanksgiving, not like the, mid, not like the meal. Like, oh, man, I love Thanksgiving. I eat good. I got turkey legs. I got all that. Yes, but not like that. Psalms 97, 12 says, rejoice in the Lord, you righteous. Who's righteous in here? You need to know that you're righteous if you're in Christ. You're righteous. Oh, you righteous. You may not feel like it, but it's, a, it's what God says about you. Oh, rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. Because of all his holy name comes with, I have a lot of thanksgiving inside of me. Thanksgiving also gives me joy and causes me to rejoice. There's a, a need to learn this art of gratitude and thanksgiving. It's, it's something that needs to be cultivated in every generation. And what do you say? Thank you. And what do you say? Thank you. You're welcome. And so it has to be. And, and listen, it doesn't change. There, there's this thing that has to be cultivated because this is what God is doing. Because in order to get through the situations, the circumstances, the trials, there's got to be this understanding that spiritual, I'm a spirit man. I'm, I'm, a, I'm called to live different than the rest of the world. The world grumble, grumbles, and I give thanks to the Lord. There's something to unlock spiritually when I begin to practice his principles as a discipline that this is, I'm making the decision, this is just how I'm going to do life, and it's going to look like his word. He sees that. He shows up. He answers prayer. He responds. He changes the dynamic of your heart in the situation. Here's what he says. You enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So I need to get in his presence. I need to get in the gate. So I start, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this person. Thank you, Lord, for this trial. Thank you, Lord, for this season. Thank you, Lord, for this issue. Thank you, Lord, that my tire blew out on the side of the road, and I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. Thank you, Lord, because of these, these circumstances, these, 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 these issues. Thank you, Lord. 
That's a, that's a discipline. I was in a, when I first moved to Austin, my pastor said, hey, you, just, you need to learn how to be gracious, how to, be gra- how to have gratitude. Be thankful for all the things that God has brought you through and all the things that he's taking you in. Here's, here's what was happening. I was getting to this place. You know how you move to a place or a new, new environment, and, and all of a sudden, like, it's really good, right? Like, it's new. It, it's, everything's fresh and fun, but then it starts to get real. And then the old you and your, your, your luggage from back in the day starts to show up and it starts to get unpacked in the environment that you are in mentally. And then all of a sudden you start seeing life now through a lens then and, and stuff, character starts to bubble up and you're like, there's so much tension, there's so much problem, there's so many issues. Let me just tell you, that's how it is for everybody. And so in that place, he said, listen, you need to take, make a list of all the things that you feel like happened to you and all the things that you did to others and that you're regretful for. Lord, all the things that God taught, is teaching you through those things, all the things now that you're, you're going through right now and the way that you see the situations that are at hand and for every item that God brings to your mind, say, Lord, I thank you for this. Lord, I thank you for this. Lord, I thank you for this. Lord, I thank you for this person. Lord, I thank you for this people. Lord, I thank you for, for saving me that day. Lord, I thank you that I didn't die in that situation, and I didn't die in that situation, and I didn't die in that situation. Lord, I thank you for not sending me to jail in that situation. Lord, I thank Well, you start doing some thankfulness about people, about situations and circumstances. You start to see the, the, feel the heart of God begin to well up inside of you, and the lens from which you see completely shifts because you're in his gates. You remember finding that journal? There were some people in my life at the time, and Allie was not so pleased with that. So, <laughs> but I was learning, you start learning to lead your soul rather than your soul leading you because the character that pops up will identify, is this the character of God or is this the character of man? Is this flesh or is this fruit? And those are great places to be in because God is allowing this stuff to bubble up so that you can witness it and you can recognize it and you can start to work on it by rejoicing in that trial so that you can build some perseverance, proven character will be shaped in the situation. And then all of a sudden you'll have hope because God done worked some junk out of you. Thank you, Lord. And I'm thankful because he's still working stuff out of me. Great, we got to get to some, some edges of me and just get some stuff scraped out so that the presence of God can enter in and do the work right there. If I run from those problems continuously, guess what? I will always have the problems. So I rejoice, I find joy, and I give thanks for all the situations because they are being used to grow me. All right, number three, so Psalms 50, 23 says this. Those who sacrifice thank offerings honor him. Sacrifice thank offerings. Number three is to rejoice looks like praise. Praise focuses on God and not me. I can't come in here and, and be thinking, oh, I got to do this, I got to do that, this isn't going to work, oh my gosh, all these trials. Like, what are you doing? You're in the, you're in the presence of God. You praise. You've just entered into his gates. Now praise. Get into those courts with praise. Like, I don't feel like it. Choose it. Well, here's how I feel doing it. No, choose his way. You might break off some bondage. 
You might have some revelation. You might have some opening. You may allow God to speak into some areas of life that he hasn't been able to speak because you're choosing your way over his way. Choose it. God is not subordinate to your feelings, by the way. 2 Corinthians 4 says this, we're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Boy, that's some things to be thankful for. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. You have an eternal glory that these light, these momentary issues, struggles, problems are achieving for you. And that glory of eternity outweighs them all. Man, thank you, Lord. I praise your holy name for what you're bringing me through and you brought me through. And thank you that I, I don't have to be that way continually. I get to choose. Praise is outward, not inward. I'm praising the Lord. Really. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. You know, it, it's, it's, it's not a sacrifice if it doesn't cost you something. And a lot of times when it's other people involved and a sacrifice of praise in the public causes me some pride. I'm going I'm to have to lose some pride. My ego is going to have to be shrunk in the presence of Jesus a little bit. Because what happens in me and, and out of me has to look more like what is pleasing to the Father than what keeps me safe in my ego. Why not give it to the one? We go into, we go into games, and I love going to cowboy games. That sadly, they lose, but I love the moments in between. I like going to Astro games, or sorry, Ranger games. We're actually going to Astro and Ranger game. And you see these fans. I love going to a Longhorn game and, and watching them play. Maybe they win, maybe they don't. But you're in the presence of all these fans, and they're sitting there praising, they're praising, they're praising, and they're praising players that don't know them, and they don't know the players. Why not come in and praise the one who authored you, who designed you, who has better plans for you? Why not praise that one? Like we... Like on Saturday, we're fans if we praise. On Sunday, we're fanatics if we praise. Man, I'll be a fanatic to death. And throughout the largest book of the Bible, God wrote for us as a blueprint of how he desires for us to worship him because he's the author. He gets to decide. Through the 150 chapters, he uses when our English word, one word that we have, seven, seven different expressions of that one word. So the English word, when you're reading through Scripture, sometimes the English word can't even give you a full understanding of what God means in his context. So let me break those out for you a little bit. Number one is Hallel. To rave, to boast, to celebrate, to be clamorous, clamorously foolish. Like this is the way God desires to be worshipped. There's another word in the New Testament that's called proskuneo. And it's a lot like, uh, a lot like anybody have a dog? Anybody got to get some dogs? I know you got some wild dogs. We had a bandit. Yeah, I know a guy who has a wild dog. <laughs> and it's like you have that, that dog's at home, and it's loose in the house, and it's lonely, been missing you, and you pull up, and the garage door opens, and baby, it's game on. That dog's just jumping in the window. <laughs> And just sitting there, we can't wait for you to open that door. It comes running and doing circles around you and licking your hand. That's the word. Proskuneo. 
In the Old Testament, Hallel. That's how God desires to be worshipped. And many come in and you worship like a cat. <laughs> They're home. When we worship like God, we're, we're trying to, to, to seek the hand of God in the presence of God. When we worship like a cat, we're like, this is about me. They're blessed to be in my presence, and so is God. <laughs> and you sing this in hallelujah. The, 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 the yah is about God. How I will clamorously worship you, O God. Hallelujah. 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 No. Hallelujah. I don't care what everybody thinks about what I look like. I'm worried about the one who has made me and created me and will see me home. Hallel. Psalms 35, 18. I will thank you in, the, in front of the great assembly. I will praise you before all the people. No wise man takes off his wedding ring when he goes outside. He goes out of the house, puts it on the counter, and says, Baby, I love you, but I really don't want the world to know. I will pick this back up when I get home. <laughs> Doors will be locked, and the whole dresser full of clothes will be outside. <laughs> That's what we do with God. Number two, Yada, not Yoda. Yoda's that little green guy with a lot of powers. Yada. To acknowledge in public. I will yada you, Lord. I yada, I yada your holy name. Psalms 138.1. I will praise you, O Lord, with all of my heart. All of my heart. Number three is Barak. To bless by kneeling or bowing. And this happens because no matter what you've done and the sin you've been wallowing in and the things that you're trying to overcome because it so easily entangles you, trips you up, but you're trying to make an effort. And even in spite of what you do, God's goodness, Barak, this Barak says that I know you to be so good that I don't deserve what you're going to get, you're going to give me, but because of who you are, you bless me no matter what I've done and what, where I've been. That's knowing the character and nature of God. And let me tell you, David knew. David knew how good the grace and the mercies and the love of God was. I come bowing down because I don't deserve it. I'm humbly honoring you. But I know you're going to bless me anyway. Psalms 103.1 says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. The second verse says, And receive all his benefits. Some of us may be missing out on some benefits because we're unwilling to come into his presence. Say, yes, Lord. There's some benefits unlocked right there. Zamar, number two, number four, rather. Zamar, making music to God with strings. I don't like strings on the church platform, but too bad, God does. And he also likes cymbals. I will praise you with clamorous cymbals. And sometimes it sounds like that when George is playing. So, no. <laughs> He's actually really good. Uh, Psalm 92.1 says, It is good to praise the Lord and to make music to your name, O most Hi, let me tell you, God loves the strings, and strings do something. Somebody may need David to play the harp for them. <laughs> Some of you know what that means. Psalms 92.1. Oh, sorry. 
Yeah, Psalms 92.1, I will praise thee. The Lord, I'm sorry, my my daughter this week, I picked her up Friday from uh, Mother's Day out, and she had this piece of paper. She said, Daddy, I wrote my first worship song. I said, really? Let's hear it. And so she starts to sing it, and then she sings it again. I said, "Let let me record this. And it's like, Oh, Jesus, I love you. You know, love me. So, and her voice is really good, by the way, better than mine. I love you. I love you, God. And I love you, Jesus. You always are there for me through no, no matter what. And she goes, are you going to show that to Pastor Christian? I said, yes, I am going to show that. <laughs> that, is, whew, that is why I do this right there. Thank you, Lord, for giving me some times of refreshing. And then Shabak, number five, Shabak, to address a loud tone, uh, to a shout. When I get home, my kids come running to me, Daddy, Daddy, and they come running, jumping over the couch, and they run to their daddy, and they try to tackle me. Like I should be concerned if I walk into the house, and they say, he's home. <laughs> and some of you come into the presence of God. Here he is. Worship is powerful. He's home. I will praise you. Thank you, God. You are holy. You are worthy. You are mighty. Thank you that your testimonies are always true, even with what I'm going through. I don't feel like worshiping. Even with what I'm going through, I will praise you. Shabbat. Psalm 63, 3 and 4. Because your love is better than life. It's better than life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Your love, just being in your presence. Whatever, everything that you come with let alone if I get something, but you, the love that you give is better than life. My lips will glorify you. Number six is Torah, to lift hands in adoration. Sometimes I'll come in, I'm just feeling the presence of God, and I'm like, oh man, thank you, Lord. But then there's this extension of, Daddy, I just want you to pick me up. Like my son wants me to pick it, I just want Daddy to pick me up. I just want to be with you. No matter what, I just want to be in your presence. And then, then all of a sudden, I'm in his presence, and I can feel it. And then I get to this, this Barak-like moment, this Tada, I'm just... Man, I just want to receive. I, I'm submitting, submitting my will to your will, whatever you want to say, whatever, identify what's in my heart that's conflicting with you and what you say and what you say about me. Lord, change that right here in the prep. This happens right here every Sunday morning and in my devotional time, by the way, and that can happen for you. Address me, Lord. That's humility. Address my heart. Don't make me right. Make me righteous according to your will. Paul writes this in 2 Timothy, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. Number seven is this, tequila, not tequila. <laughs> Both bring about exuberant singing though, by the way. <laughs> Psalms 34.1 says, I will extol thee, Lord, at all times. His tequila will be always on my lips. Yeah, you can let it out. Who is it? <laughs> You're going to get a hemorrhoid or something. <laughs> it's okay. This is church. Somebody said, I found my verse. <laughs> when David was coming back, he realized Obadiah, the ark, was outside of Jerusalem and Obadiah's house was getting blessed because that's where the, the ark had come to a place where after many things had been left. And, and the, David says, we're going to get that thing because we need his blessings. We need the blessings of the Lord. 
on, on Jerusalem. And so they go and they get it and they're, they're marching it back. And so every six steps, they stop and they make a sacrifice, an offering of praise and worship to the Lord all the way, long trek, all the way back to Jerusalem. And by the, by the time he gets to Jerusalem, he is full of worship and full of adoration and full of praise because he knows all the things that he's done and he knows what he's been through. He knows what's in his, in his heart, but he also knows the goodness of God. He knows the mercies. He knows that they're new every day. He knows who God is because he's been making history with God. He slayed some giants. He came out of the sheep field. There's been some things happen. By the time he gets to Jerusalem, he is uh, de-wardrobed in nothing but his undies. Which is where the song came from. Yet yeah, Tehillah made his clothes fall off. So that's what he, he was... <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Sounds good. I heard it happens. Happened to him. That was, it was Tehillah. He was praising God exuberantly before all the people. He didn't care. Michael, here's two principles. I forgot to share the other one last service. Michael is up there. His wife, the, the daughter of Saul, is just looking at him like in disgust. I can't believe you're worshiping God like that in front of all the people. You're a king. She says that to him, and his response is, and here's one thing. Here's, his response is this. He goes, uh, you're just mad because God chose, chose me to lead these people over your daddy. Mm. And then he says, I will become all the more undignified for my God. And from that day forward, she was a barren woman, never able to produce. And from that day forward, God blessed the house of David. Two principles. You can sit here and be smug and barren. Or you can be exuberant and unlock the blessings of God because there's way more on the other side than there is on your side of understanding how God desires to be worshipped. Psalm 108, 1 says, Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give zamar even with my glory. Next verse. I will, I will yada thee, O Lord, among the peoples. Next verse. And I will sing tehila, tehila, exuberantly. Nehemiah 12, 43 says, also, also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. Do people see you and see that, man, in their private times, there must be some powerful things going on because the joy that is in you from the praise that you give the Father, how you're able to walk in this rejoicing mentality, is it heard from afar off? Last night, I was sitting on the, the bed getting ready to put the kids to sleep, and all of a sudden, my son, he reaches over and he puts his arm on my shoulder and he says, I look back and he says, Daddy, you're brave, and you never give up. I don't, I don't know where. And so I, I know that the God speaks through the mouth of babes. And so I start to search my soul, and what's going on, Lord? What is it that you're trying to bring attention to? Because maybe I'm not a pay, a paying attention to you. But he's saying, you're setting a standard for your children. Friday, your daughter wrote a worship song. Today, 
you're teaching your son that we never give up. And so I look at him, he said, I said, you're right, son. Me and you, we never give up. And so there he was, pastoring me and encouraging me through what I don't know. But there's some things that are shifting as we lead well ourselves and our families, there's things that shift in the next generation. And we have to make strong effort to rejoice, to really come to God in prayer so that we can see his blessings on the next generation. Are you with me? Let me pray for you real quick. Father, we just thank you so much. We just ask that you speak. Holy Spirit, what is it that you want to say? What is it that you want to bring to our attention? What is it that you want to address this morning? What is it that you want to say? Father, what is in our heart that we are trying to be righteous about? Would you bring us to your righteousness for your name's sake so that we can glorify the Father in Jesus' name? Amen and amen.